Welcome to the special best of edition of the Gary Wilkerson podcast. We'll be back next week with a brand new episode. Until then, we hope you and your family have a happy new year. Really just was a prodigal nature. It's just give me the inheritance so I can live recklessly and uh, get the most pleasure that I, I can from myself because that's what the world sold me and and I bought it. Um, I bought it holistically and and just just went out and uh, it's really the the hedonist lifestyle was was my greatest issue was uh, I bought the lie that that the meaning of life was was pleasure and uh, Satan is really good about getting those those hooks in uh, with that deception of the meaning of life is, is pleasure and and here's a little bit here here's a little bit here and before you know it you're you're trapped before you know it you 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 aren't finding any pleasure in these things at all but they're actually uh, misery and they're actually discontent and um, bewilderment that you ever came to this place being a parent can be one of the greatest challenges we face in life. A child can feel like part of our own heart, and when they make poor choices and are in pain, that can feel like a knife in our chest. Above and beyond personal pain, sometimes parents in church can feel ashamed of having a prodigal child. They may have actually been condemned for their child's suffering or wandering path. In this episode, Gary Wilkerson is joined by his wife, Kelly, and his son, Evan. They're going to discuss how their family was ultimately able to draw closer to God as a result of Evan's prodigal journey. While this time can be immensely painful for parents and families, God is always faithful. Gary, Kelly, and Evan talk about how God redeemed and healed their own relationships and lives through what seemed like a very dark period. Now here's our host, Bob Dimmer. Well, welcome to another Gary Wilkerson podcast, and uh, today we're going to be talking to the Christian family, and uh, I guess all elements of the family, to parents and to children as well, as we talk about this idea of uh, children that stray, children that uh, get into different areas that they should not. All parents worry about their children, but with Christian families, it's there's an added element. You worry about their faith and their walk with Christ as well. And Gary, maybe you can share with us uh, some history of your family as we get into this topic. Yeah, yeah. The, we have our son Evan with us here. We'll introduce him in a little bit, and my wife Kelly. Uh, but uh, so we come from a Christian family. I am. Uh, my father was a pastor and the founder of the ministry that I work with now called World Challenge. Uh, also, founder of Teen Challenge, a drug rehab program. Uh, it's now in about 70 nations, uh, 15, almost 1,500 centers around the world. So as, as I'm speaking to you today, there's about 20,000 young men and women who are in a treatment facility getting f- set free from drugs and alcohol and life-controlling problems <clears throat> through the power of Jesus Christ. Uh, his father was a pastor as well. And then his father, uh, my great-grandfather, was a, 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 they call it a tent evangelist. He traveled around the United States uh, preaching uh, gospel crusades. And his father was a pastor. And there's even rumors, we're not sure this is confirmed, but there's even rumors back to uh, there was a, supposedly a Wilkerson who was a chaplain uh, in uh, Tennessee uh, during the Civil War. So, you know, five, six, maybe even Evan might be the seventh generation of people involved in ministry. So we come from a long line of pastors and uh, ministers and uh, but I think the you know when when a family loves God the enemy hates that uh, and and he 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 loves he loves to attack community and unity and 
and so you know we felt the attack. We see this as we travel around around the world. There's so many families under attack, and I think particularly because we have made a, uh, a, a positive dent in the negative kingdom of darkness uh, uh, when it comes to addictions and drugs, that the enemy really sent every you know, demon from the pit of hell to come against our family when it comes to uh, addictions. Uh, you know, being that so many had set free, it's like, oh, well, let me see if I can trap some of their own family. So we, we, we hit a season of great despair as a as a couple in the family of uh, of seeing personally this uh, these very destructive forces come in and and wreak havoc in our own family. And so, what? How did it affect you? What is it that happened in, in your family? Well, um, we have four kids, and. Um, <clears throat> Evan, who's here with us, and one of our other sons, Elliot, uh, both of them became uh, pretty pretty involved in uh, dr- drugs and alcohol and uh, running from God. Uh, I think he always had a heart, and Evan can tell you a little bit later, but uh, always had a heart for God. Uh, you know, his brother, Elliot, I remember when he was in the midst of his addictions, w- would call me on the phone. Uh, he was living on the street. He was homeless. He was addicted to heroin. He would call me and just say, I'm, I'm, I'm spending this whole day praying, Jesus, help me. Jesus, set me free. I love you and I want to change, but it, I, I don't know how. It doesn't work. You know, almost like, God, you're not working. I, you know, you said ask, and I'm asking, and it's not working. So that was for us as a couple. It was extremely frustrating. It was. It was almost like we didn't know whether to just fall on our face uh, as we did many times and cry out to God, please help us, Jesus, or sometimes shake an angry fist. Where are you, God? You just seem so far away, so distant. You know, you uh, you heal other people's children and. And, and, and ours seemed to be, the more we pray, the worse it gets. And it was very sad. It was very emotionally uh, distra- distra- stressful time. Kelly, did you feel guilty about what had happened? Did you think you had done something question. wrong during that time? Absolutely. You know, I mean, it would just kind of fall on us like, how, how could we have done something different? How could we have been better parents? Maybe we should have spent more time with them. Maybe we should have been harder on them. You know, I mean, there, there's just like a host of things that we would go through the checklist. And, you know, if we had if we had lived differently, then yeah. he could live differently. Yeah. I think I'd mentioned I used to teach an adult Sunday school class, and every week uh, there would be prayers in this way, and, and it was the parents always saying, we, we must have done something wrong. We, must, we didn't teach him this way. We must have done something wrong. Yeah when it wasn't anything they did, right? It was just simply right. their own moral agent. And Evan, I guess maybe that's the question that goes to you. How do you think this happened? Was it something the parents did or did not do? Or how did you fall into something that was so contrary to the values that you had been raised with? Sure. Well, I think it really started with where my desires lied. So they they really set good foundations, biblical foundations that... Um, were right to to walk in, but my desires shifted when I really started becoming more uh, immersed in what other people thought of me and wanting that kind of uh, acceptance from from peers and and friends in school and really chasing after um, whatever the world was was presenting. And so that's really, I think, the the cause and the the catalyst of of getting immersed in the in the world's ways and and not following and what my my parents had clearly demonstrated as as good behavior and, and a good lifestyle. It was just that deception of the enemy that 
uh, quickly got into my system and and brought me out of, of what have, what I should have really been living in. As you think back on that time, what was your uh, what was the plan? <laughs> if you have a plan, when the world starts to fall apart with with a child, did you say, okay, here are our steps. We're going to do one, two, three, and four. Kind of walk me through where you where you were. Um, for me, it was uh, desperation more than a plan. It was like all the plans had come and gone. The strategies of oh, this can fix it, or that will solve it, or he'll go to this school instead of that school, or he'll. Um, we'll we'll have his friends come over our house every day after school rather than him going to you know we had all these strategies and and none of them seemed to be working right no it you know sin sin wants what sin wants mm. and so whether we were the host family and had all the kids at our house or if we allowed you know our children to be you know with other neighbors or whatever it's they're gonna find they're gonna find the trouble you know the the temptation is there and the seduction of the world is um it's it's very cunning it's very very cunning and you know i mean scripture tells us that satan is an angel of light and there's the way that he deceives and um counterfeits so just like Gary said, any plan that we thought that we might have or any strategy, you know, I mean, the the basis, what it all comes down to is that we found our way through this by prayer. Mm-hmm. And uh, God had victory for us through the power of prayer. And, um, and sometimes that even looked a little shaky, you know, <laughs> because the more that we would pray, the worse the situation would get. Or, you know, but I guess even talking about it now and kind of processing too, it's like um, things would become, they would come to light, which, I mean, that's what we would want because you don't know how, what, who you're fighting, what you're fighting if, they're, if there's no light to it and things are still in the shadows. And so maybe it only appeared that it, they were getting worse, but God was allowing things to come to light and you would have revelation of it and then you're just like oh no not that too you know and this is like i feel like we're going deeper into the pit you know but that's what one of our one of our kids told us once not not having another son said um i hate being a christian so why he says everything i do wrong i get caught it's like all my other friends they do things worse than me and they never get caught it's like the exposure of of uh you know, bringing things in darkness to light, and uh, but I would say that also, you know, going back to what you're bringing up earlier, Bob, about uh, how a parent feels, uh, you know, when when you see this struggle. So, you know, Evan, I don't want to expose you. Uh, we, we can edit this later if you want. But I remember coming home one day, and um, he was probably in his late teens, and he had these two empty bottles in his bedroom, and he wasn't in the bedroom, and his window was open. He was sitting out on the like second story, kind of hanging over the edge, just like, you know, teetering. He was, so, you know, he's so out of his mind, drunk. And, uh, you know, it's like, so there's, you know, they, what what kind of emotions do a, does a parent have at that time? Well, there's there's fear. We're going to lose this boy. You know, this, 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 this could end in, you know, overdose or suicide or just a life of, you know, alcoholism. So there's a lot of fear involved in that as well. And then there's the self-loathing, the anger, like, what did I do wrong? Uh, how, you know, how, how did I fail? You know, I'm such a failure. It's just like I should have, the, the should have, would have, could have uh, come in. And the, and the, and there's kind of a balance there. It's almost like I think some parents 
totally excuse themselves and then they don't learn the lessons like oh, I, I could have. So mm-hmm. when I look back on it, I said like, I, um, you know, I didn't want to repeat some of the mistakes my father had made. He traveled a lot and he was gone. So I, I think there was a slight father wound in my own heart mm-hmm. that caused me to go searching for love. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I see that Evan, I was already starting to tell a story here. He's saying like, you know, looking for uh, love in his friends or acceptance, approval, applause of man. And, and so, you know, so I learned that lesson of, okay, be present to your children. And I don't want to miss that lesson, you know, and I don't want to miss being able to tell other parents who are, are in the middle of this battle right now. It's like, you know, you, you, you'll hear some people say, it's not your fault, and it's not. But there is some things we can learn in this and some things we can improve on as far as parenting. Right. And so for me, to be present to your kids. And uh, yeah, now she was much better than I was. She was there and present. But, you know, because uh, even, even sometimes when I was there, I would be like distracted with my ministry items, my thinking of strategies and visions and goals and dreams and aspirations and kingdom, uh, building building my kingdom. And um, you know, I think my kids missed out on some. On the other hand, there's also we were blessed to learn that addictions is like a disease, and I really believe that. Uh, I know there's sin involved in it, but I also believe uh, so. Like he could, Evan could take a drink. And the light bulb turns on and goes, this is the best thing I've ever, there's something in this, the brain chemical that he has in his mind causes him to take that drink and it becomes an explosive high where if I were to take a drink, I might go like, that didn't taste very good. I don't want that because uh, I don't have that kind of, yeah. that my mind's not. So that, that can't be a parent's fault mm-hmm. to have a, 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 a child with an addictive personality. That, that is something that, uh, it'd be like saying, it's your fault that your child has a you know, brain tumor or cancer or leukemia that's it's not the parents fault there's there's disease involved in this as well mm-hmm. and so th- th- i think that balance is really important you had mentioned that uh, you had been praying for exposure evan did you know that they were praying that you'd get caught whatever you did and <laughs> did you resent that if you did uh yeah I, I kind of noticed that i was getting caught a lot more than my my friends would and maybe kind of like a a Jonah experience, mm-hmm. like don't have this guy come around us because you know God's <laughs> after him, or we get in trouble when he's he's around. So, um, yeah, that that kind of sense was was a little bit there following me. It was there a, then was a resentment even to your faith as a result of that? Uh, I think all around there was some kind of I couldn't understand, I couldn't place my finger on what God was was trying to do. Um, in my selfish uh, steep of addiction, you know, I, I just uh, pictured it as, man, God God is going to make me suffer, you know, or or go through all these, these kinds of pains in order to give up just to realize that, that he's the only only one that, you know, can, can provide life or, you know, can, can provide something for me. And so I just, I was kind of confused about that, it's like, why can't I just, you know, come to him in a in a different way, or or live how I want, or experience something that I want, and then you know just come to him and in, in in his love? But it seemed like, you know, he was just making it impossible for me to experience any kind of true true pleasure without him. And so, in that kind of selfish way, I was I was resenting him for that. Yeah. Was, uh, Kelly, anything else you prayed for besides the exposure? Were there some other prayers that were common during that time for you? Oh, yeah. I mean, we wanted um, Evan to have life in Christ. You know, we wanted we wanted Jesus to be his first and foremost, you mm-hmm. know. So, um, I too, just as a way of confession, I think that 
if looking back over that season and even looking ahead to to hard times that may or may come, you know, because te- we have our faith is tested, you know. God wants to purify it. He wants to make it perfect. And um, I, I'm so sorry that I, I forgot the faithfulness of God, you know. And just I would think you said, you know, you said that the seed of the righteous will will flourish. You said, you know, and and I had my my attack was on God's faithfulness. You know, how Satan attacked me was on the goodness of God or the faithfulness of God or the truth of God, you know, the wisdom of God, you know, how he was taking Evan on his journey. And, you know, I mean, I I just so regret that for even one moment I would say that God wasn't faithful, you know. And so it just encouraged families and parents and even kids that might be praying for their parents or even another struggle, maybe, you know, someone's struggling with a, a healing or whatever breakthrough. It's like, God is faithful. He is faithful. God is faithful. And never forget that. He is faithful. I don't care how dark it is, what storm it is. God is faithful. You know, and he's He's with you. He's going to see you through this. He hasn't abandoned you. I mean, it is written that he never leaves us. He never forsakes us. And I think um, just like in the garden, you know, Satan, the serpent went to Eve and said, did God say? And so, I mean, many times I would hear that. Did, did God really say that he was going to rescue Evan? Did, did God say that he was going to protect your family? And um, I would get trapped in that place where I would not think that God was with us or he was faithful. So, I mean, just... You know, I can't help but notice. I can't help but notice what's remarkable is here you're dealing with something that Evan was dealing with and the whole family learns a lesson from it of things that they needed to deal with perhaps right. as well. Right. But I guess that's how God works, isn't yeah. it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, he's a redeemer. Yeah. Nothing's wasted. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, speaking of the uh, the prayers that you had, that everything be revealed, it reminds me of something you said in an earlier podcast. You said your grandfather talked about the Holy Ghost miserable. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Is, it, is it hard for a parent to, to wish this kind of thing on your child? I mean, that would be a hard thing to wish for. That you know, you, they would come yeah. to such a low point yeah, that yeah. they'd have to come to It you. is hard to wish that. But, and sometimes it's easy because you... You always love your kids, but when they're when they're being such knuckleheads and making such poor decisions, sometimes you kind of want to see them miserable, not in the Holy Ghost way, just in a human human way. Uh, just like that's you know they're just so frustrating, and so it's uh, but but you know because these kind of addictions and a backslidden person, whether it be an addiction or just somebody who's just drifting from God, it's 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 a family crisis. It's not just one person out there uh, you know making poor choices. It's it's the whole family is is negatively affected by it and. You know, so many wounded people, so many wounded families. We, we do a lot of pastors conferences, and um, be, because of Evan and his family, uh, his siblings' testimonies, we have a special place in our heart to pray a prayer of faith at the end of some of our meetings for pastors conferences. And we've had, you know, we've had. I'd say it's very rare that there's anything less than eighty percent of the pastors who will either raise their hand or come forward for prayer. Okay. Saying like you have a prodigal son or daughter or a, a child on in drugs or alcohol, eighty percent of these are pastors. I mean, uh, you know, I don't. That's not a, a clinical survey or anything like that. But just anecdotally, I would say, you know, 
70, 80 percent of families are, you know, are, are dealing with this and the, and the hurt and the wound is really yeah. is really powerful yeah there's yeah. a lot of shame with it and shame is, is and and guilt you know it's like and two it's hard for leaders in ministry to find a safe place a safe mm-hmm. place to share their story yeah. and um you know i mean someone that is out to you know overtake or <laughs> topple somebody's calling um you know they could take that information and you know ruin a ministry with it so yeah it would be and i guess the the key there is you do need to speak up though don't you You need to seek out some help of those around you whether you're a pastor or just a christian in in a in a church how do you overcome that shame in a case like that here you folks you know especially Mm -hmm. a well-known christian family you're pastoring a church and Mm -hmm. how did you get around that how did you get through and say we just need some help from some people Right. I I think it was trying to be wholehearted and, you know, take be vulnerable, you know, and um, just show that place that, you know, hey, we need help. We need to be in community. I mean, God created us to live in community. And um, the way through this is with others' help. So there's, there's so many tentacles to this kind of crisis. And so <clears throat> the issue of vulnerability would be one as well in that, <clears throat> you know, so I was pastoring at the time and wanted, you know, I'm, I'm not just the head of the family, I'm, uh, you know, Christ's head, but, you know, the under shepherd, but I'm part of the family as well. <clears throat> so I asked for prayer. Uh, my son is struggling with an addiction. Would you, as a congregation, would you please pray for my wife and I? We're hurting. It's, and for, you know, by and large, it was amazing and, and, a, and a pleasant experience where people gathered around us. But it also it backfired as well mm-hmm. because so many, more, more, far more than I imagined, right. were like, oh, you know, we, you can't be our pastor. You have a child who's, uh, you know, it's like, well, he's an adult for number one. It's yeah. not like, the, you know, that scripture verse that talks about, you know, you can't be control of your, yeah. Yeah. your own show, yeah. manage your own yeah. home and stuff like that. So, they, hey, hey everyone's managed when they're in our home, but, mm-hmm. you know, what they do now is when they're, uh, but that wasn't enough, you know, and so it was like it gave them a almost like gave them a it's almost like giving them ammunition to shoot you with. Uh, and so, I, you know, I I would say when it comes to this is you know be careful who you are vulnerable with if you have a, a prodigal child or you if you have a family member who's even a spouse, you know, yeah. and there's an addiction there. Is make sure it's a trusted friend, it's a, a, a counselor. Uh, uh, maybe even a, if you're a pastor, a pastor from another church rather than even that, you want to be careful because yeah. they try to take you out of the, take you out, you know. And so, well, Evan, let me put you on the spot here. We've sure. And parents sitting here, what did they do wrong during this time? <laughs> do we have what another hour? <laughs> yeah, be honest. What did man, they do don't, wrong? Don't, don't, don't pull any punches, man. Yeah, Therefore, might yeah. need to turn it into a series. <laughs> <laughs> no, I don't think so. I mean, it's from my perspective, it's really hard to perceive anything that they directly did wrong to me. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm not sure what the, the perfect model of is, is parenting. You know, I'm, I'm, not a, I'm not a parent yet. have one on the way, but I'm not a, I'm not a parent yet. And so I'll figure out <laughs> more, you know, right and wrong ways of, of parenting when that time comes. But um, I, didn't, I didn't really see it as what they were doing wrong, you know, and, and my walk it's just um what what can i i do right and unfortunately i i was 
I had just such confusion about how to live, what the what the right and wrong ways of of living were, and um, again, even though they they set healthy boundaries, um, just through terrible influences, I'd say, and through my own flesh, uh, I would seek to break boundaries mm-hmm. and seek to become my own man through rebellious natures. And, and it really just was a prodigal nature. It's just give me the inheritance so I can live recklessly and uh, get the most pleasure that I, I can for myself because that's what the world sold me and mm-hmm. and I bought it. Um, I bought it holistically and and just just went out and uh, it's really the the hedonist lifestyle was was my greatest issue was um, I bought the lie that that the meaning of life was was pleasure and uh, Satan is really good about getting those those hooks in uh, with that deception of the meaning of life is, is pleasure and and here's a little bit here here's a little bit here and before you know it you're you're trapped before you know it you 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 aren't finding any pleasure in these things at all but they're actually uh, misery and they're actually discontent and um, bewilderment that you ever came to this place and um, when the prodigal it says that he came to his senses of of you know my my dad's servants are living better than I am let me let me go back to him it was it was really coming to my senses of of they have provided and why why did I leave that that lifestyle why why would I choose something that uh has brought me into this pig pen and mm-hmm. uh you know really in some physical and spiritual parallels to that prodigal story of, you know, I'm, I'm physically sick, I'm mentally sick, I'm spiritually desolate and um, bewildered however however got here. So honestly, it was never a point of, wow, they, they really messed up. They, they really brought me here. Um, and I think there's, there's truth to that and that um, I have to I have to take responsibility for some choices that I that I made and um, and that that I, it really came out of my own doing in all cases with our, our, our children Evan and his brother Elliot there there came a moment where we let go is like we were you know, we let go of the worry we let go of the anxiety we let go of the sense of responsibility uh, because sometimes there comes a point where there's nothing you can do, whether it's a prodigal or a, uh, or an addict in your family. You have to, uh, and you can't take the blame and the shame. I was thinking earlier when we were talking about what did what did the parents do wrong. One of the things that the Lord encouraged me one time in it was like I was I was feeling so guilty and so full of shame, and and He said to me, He said, "I was a perfect father, and my son screwed up, you know, or messed up, you know." So if I didn't say screwed up, he messed up. <laughs> so uh, you know, my son. Adam and Eve, yeah, yeah. His son, his first, you know, the, the, that uh, God did nothing wrong. He was totally a perfect father for for Adam and Eve, and yet they, yeah. they they went into sin themselves. So, 
you know, that, that is, it's the moral choice. Yeah. The lukewarmness is a choice that somebody makes. But uh, so letting go and just saying, God, this you're the father. You've got this. You knew what you were doing with Adam and Eve, and you knew what you're doing with Evan and Elliot and Annie and Ashley and our, and our, our six grandkids. You know what you're doing with them. And so it seemed like to me that it was as we were holding on to this, things got worse and more shame and guilt and stress and anxiety and fear. When we get, uh, and I don't know if it's like, if God's waiting for us to let go, then he does something, or he's saying to us, it, it's, it's, you know, the journey's ending, just, just rest now, I've got the, you know, I'm not sure which one he's doing, but right. uh, in all these cases, there came to a point where it just it clicked. You know, um, uh, our good friend, uh, Pastor Jim Symbolo of Brooklyn Tabernacle, talks about the exact same thing. His daughter was a prodigal daughter living out in the world and doing all kinds of reckless things, and he was anxious and worried about her, and he was sitting in his lounge chair, you know, tears in his eyes, just saying, Lord, when's she coming home? And he just said, rest, I've got this, don't worry about it. And you know, she called a few days later, came home a few days later and said, I'm, I'm ready to I'm ready to get my life back to God and get get, get through this. And and you had that experience too with, with, with Elliot. With yeah. Elliot, right. But I think too, Bob, we need to remember that God loves our children more than we can possibly ever comprehend or understand. And, you know, he doesn't want them. He did not write that life for them, you know, to be in the world and sin tossed, you know, yeah. Th that's not what he wrote for them. And so it, it helped me, mm -hmm. you know, to, to remember that mm -hmm. God loves them more than I, mm -hmm. than I ever could mm -hmm. and that he's after them. And um, as Gary kind of made mention just about letting go, I, I um, had a vision with uh, one of our other sons and, and the Lord says, give him to me. And so I'm holding, you know, this adult limp body in my arms. And as I hand them over to Christ, Jesus turns his back on me. And I'm kind of like, what's going on? And he goes, this is between us. You know, he's like, I've got this. And this is between the two of us. And so I, I remember I just I just stood with my hands on, you know, the back of the Lord as he was holding our son. And I just said, I give you thanks. You're good, and your mercy endures forever. And that became my my anthem, you know. Mm -hmm. It's just I just stood in that place. It's like you're good, and I'm going to thank you, and your mercy endures forever. Mm -hmm. Evan, you probably, did you feel this going on? I mean, you were doing a spiritual battle yourself, I'm guessing, through all of this. So when it finally dawned on you that I need to go back, what was it that you think uh, caused that to happen? How did it happen? Mm, well, I definitely knew that my parents were praying for me day and night, and I saw the broken heartedness and in, in, in them, and, and that was really affecting me too, of course. Um, but it, it really came just to God's intervention. And, and just as my mom said of um, Christ almost just taking us for himself just to deal with us in the way that he wanted to was the only thing that could really intervene and and break that that bondage of sin the addiction um, because it was just as overwhelming for me as it was for my parents and you become uh, clueless as to what the solution is what the remedy is and when you're you're praying all the time too but not seeing any any kind of leeway or effects of it, um, 
you really start to, to, to lose hope. So I, I actually came to a point uh, after rehab and then relapsing again uh, of just absolute hopelessness. Mm-hmm. There's, there is no way out of this. I mean, my, my clear belief was this is who I'm going to be for the rest of my life. I'm an addict and this is just me. And uh, so that, of course, out of desperation, bred, God, I need your help. Lord, save me. There's, there's no other way to turn except to you. And either it's just going to be a miracle or it's going to be what I've concluded, that, that I'm just an addict from here on out. Um, and there was, there was various points. Um, it, was, it was just recently that God just laid out this whole timeline for me. Um, I was I was giving thanks to him. Just God, thank you for for my wife. Thank you for job, car, whatever it may be. And he laid out this amazing timeline of uh, despite my actions and in spite of me running away from him and actually working against him in my hedonism and my drugs and alcohol, he kept putting stones and, and pieces in place to turn me back to him. And uh, there's, there was no other way to see it other than, wow, God had so much grace in me to um, put this prayer over me, put these two friends who just constantly was speaking Bible verses, giving me this job where I needed this mentor, um, thing after thing just absolutely lavishing me with grace in spite of my actions. So it was nothing that I, I did. It was just answered prayer of I was, I was really actually working against God's grace, but because of his favor and because he wanted to answer our prayers and he knew that I was desperate for him, he put the, the pieces in place and one step after another led me out of that where you look back and see that was a miracle. God, God led me out of that. God answered our prayers. Sounds like it was a process rather than something, a bolt of light out of the sky. It, it took a while. Right. There was actually one day where I thought, uh, oh, this is the miracle day where my life absolutely changes and I never go back. Um, I had a counselor who said, you know, God sees the, the things that you're doing and it actually breaks his heart. And so I would consider just telling him you're sorry sometime. And it was a day after um, partying all night and I, I missed Sunday morning church. I came home and my, my parents were pretty upset, you know, and, and said, you know, you just get it together essentially. And um, I went upstairs and uh, I just thought about what my counselor said and I said, Lord, I'm sorry. That, that was it, you know, as, as uh, simple as it could be, and immediately I was just rushed upon with his love. It was it was overwhelming. I had to just fall on the floor, and and I was weeping just just because of his love. And it was just this instant reaction of, you're forgiven. You know, the father sees the prodigal son far away, and he rushes to him and wraps his arms around him, and you know, kills the fattened calf and and celebrates. And that's how I felt in that moment, just from saying, Lord, I'm sorry. I felt like he was celebrating me and his, and his love. And um, 
So if anything, I thought that was the moment. That, hey, I'm free, you know. Uh, I'm never going back to, to drugs again. And it wasn't long before it actually got worse. So uh, that is unfathomable to me. I don't understand how it actually got worse after that. To this day, that was the, the greatest experience of his presence ever. Um, and it still, it still spung out of control. Um, but I still hung on to that, that memory. Mm-hmm. And it was just the beginning point that started putting all these steps into place for a, a complete change of life. Well, I'm sure you don't, uh, you regret having done all of those things, but it sounds like through all of those things, you got a clear vision of who God was that you wouldn't have had any other way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Uh, faithfulness, he was, he was faithful, his steadfast love, uh, his grace, his forgiveness, all of those characteristics, again, in, in spite of me or despite what I was doing, was really surfacing in those times. And I didn't really get a full picture until after the fact. And I think a lot of times life is like that. It seems by matter of chance or, or random. And when we're actually just submitting to God or sometimes running away from him even, he, he still uh, just surrounds us and he still uh, chases after us and you begin to see these these characteristics of him unravel and it's not until you look back where you say wow you are an amazing God. (laughs) Kelly I'm watching you watch Evan speak of this great deal of joy on your face this must be wonderful to hear that. Oh (laughs) I'm ecstatic yeah Uh to have uh to have release and victory, yeah. and and like you said, there's such a celebration, but um, it doesn't compare to the celebration that God the Father has over him, mm-hmm. and uh, it's extraordinary, mm-hmm. you know, to take something that's broken and to mend it, to take the things that are bruised and to heal. You know, I, I love in Scripture where it's written that God is near to the brokenhearted, mm-hmm. and it says He binds up their wounds you know so it's it's like god is personal and hands-on and you know (laughs) like uh, evan mentioned you know he lavishes his love on us as his children and i think it's extraordinary i thank you i thank him for the miracle so gary i guess uh, in retrospect as you look back on Mm. on this whole time uh have you come to any advice for our mm. viewers and listeners? What would be your list of do's and don'ts as a parent going through something like this? Yeah, thanks for asking that. It's a very important question because I think a lot of people listening to this, whether they're running from God themselves or lukewarm or they're finding themselves in addictions or they're a family member, they're probably asking themselves, okay, you know, what now? Like, great story, but how does that translate to me? Do I just wait for a miracle to happen, or is there some things I can do? And so I would say there's some, some steps we can take. We, we had to become proactive uh, to be very careful, number one, about not being uh, what psychologists would call codependent, where we provided an environment for our kids to, to excel in their sin, so to speak. Um, my One of my son's drug counselors said, uh, he, he, he was a former drug addict as well. And he said, oh, man, when I was in drugs, I wish you were my parents because you made it so easy. You, you know, like you provide them. Here's $50, Evan. Uh, you know, we love you so much. You're having, you know, I was worried about it. I thought he was a drug addict because of his self-esteem low. So, like, here's money, and I love you so much, and do whatever you want. You know, and it's just the opposite was what he needed. Is like, no, you need boundaries, and, 
And, um, and so there has to be, a, a, internally there has to come a strength of saying, like, I'm not going to, I'm not, I'm not going to feed their addictions, I'm not going to feed their thing. And so, so with one of our other kids, we actually had to have, come to a point where we actually had to ask him to leave the home. I mean, it was rough, one of the roughest days of our life, actually calling the police, and he's crying, saying, I don't want to leave. And, like, the police are actually grabbing him by the arm, saying, like, you know, because he was stealing from us, and it was just feeding his heroin addiction. And so, uh, you know, so, so setting some boundaries, uh, being firm. These, these are things I would say, there's a scripture verse that says, the Spirit helps our weaknesses. And, and so the, 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 the Spirit of God will do these supernatural miracles where Evan and Elliot and his siblings are, are set free and saved. Um, but there's, the Spirit also helps. There are certain ways He helps, and one is with the, the family members of, of uh, being careful about being codependent. Uh, there's some really good books on that you can read. You can go to um, uh, Celebrate Recovery is a, a, a good tool the church has about helping family members deal, uh, know how to do it. So you're not alone. Some people aren't just dealing with this um, family member or their own um, stuff that they're dealing with all, all independently. So you, you go to a meeting. Um, and then um, secondly, I would say also is then um, the Spirit helps our weaknesses and our infirmities. Uh, by, by the supernatural miracle, yes, like the, your other brother we're talking about, right after you had that vision of turning him over to Jesus, he called us maybe a week or two later and said, uh, bizarre, it started bad. I was like, he said, I'm in jail. I said, oh, no. And he said, but last night uh, in the darkness of my prison cell, a, 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 light, a supernatural light came in the dark cell. My, my cell became bright, and the presence of God came in, filled that room, and he said uh, he had just hadn't been in jail very long, so he's still detoxing, and he said the, it just felt like the, the blood changed, uh, my mind changed, my heart changed, and he was set free. So, you know, there's a great that had that miracle, but, and then and Evan talked about the miracle as well, uh, but they also, there were some steps they took, the, the, the Spirit helping our weaknesses by going to a rehab, Teen Challenge, or um, a lot of insurance companies pay uh, for, for if your family member or spouse or yourself want to go into to, to a rehab program. Uh, Teen challenges are all over America, around the world. Um, there are other. Uh, I, I prefer Christian-centered ones, but but man, even if it's not a Christian one, you know, because because some of these are medical issues, so you can get get medical help as well. And and I don't know. Would you advise that Evan to uh, uh, like a detox, going going through a detox, going through a a rehab. I mean, I think those things gave you some tools. tools some, some you learned some things there that aided that supernatural spiritual yeah. power thing, right? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I would definitely advise um, some very practical things that the the rest of the world does to help you get sober. I believe God has supernaturally placed some really sound methods of mm-hmm. of recovery. I mean. AA was was phenomenal for me. Rehab uh, helped change my my whole uh, it's psychic change they mm-hmm. they call it um, a, a sponsor. So there were there were times where I would be craving or obsessing, and the greatest thing in that moment was just being able to to call up a sponsor and he would talk me down or. Um, Again, you know, going to meetings, uh, all of those things, I, I can see how, how yeah. God actually uses those. But ultimately, it, it came to the point of being on my knees every morning and every night, just uh, asking him to help me stay sober and then mm-hmm. thanking him when I, when I 
did stay so yeah yeah i think these are tools that that god has like i like what you're saying he he created these tools for us for our for our good for our benefit and and so there's there's some there's there's something unhealthy i think in 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 a christian environment that would say it's only it's it's only you know this one thing it's just you have to pray your way out of this and that's that's and i agree with you you're saying that's the core of it but then to to kind of deny the fact that you might need counseling or that you might need a Christian community to help you through this or you right. might need rehab or need, and you do need detox you I mean you can you know mm-hmm. you know right. that stuff can kill you like mm-hmm. if you're they say alcohol is if you're an alcoholic the worst thing one of the hardest detox to do because you know, the blood stuff and so mm-hmm. these are things I think that you know, again, my, one of my kids breaks his arm. I'm, you know, I'm not. I'm going to pray for healing, but I'm also going to take him to the doctor. And I think we need to be a little bit more open in the, in the Christian community about looking at various means and not, and not looking at other. I've heard so many people scorn, like, oh, AA is a higher power, so secular. It's like, okay, you know, it's not maybe not the best thing. The Holy Spirit is much better than a, you know, your dog being a higher power by far. You know, right. but 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 at least it's a step, man. And you know, t- take a step, and so. All truth is God's truth, right? All truth is God's truth, yeah. and, and 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 there's such good stuff out there. Um, uh, Evan, if you don't mind me saying, he went to a counselor for probably a year or so, right? right. Uh, yeah. Even after meeting Jesus again and coming into a grace, uh, you know. But and that I'm so glad you. We were so thrilled that every week he was there faithfully, and going to some meetings, and that for the family too is like when you're. Because you know, you're nervous, like you know, the, the word relapse is is very fearful in families that have right. uh, deal with addictions, and so to see them so healthy that they're taking their own initiative, and again, as parents, we can't mandate that. We can't say, "Did you go to the AA meeting today? Did, did you did you go to your counselor?" Because that's just um, you know that's almost like diminishing their sense of worth that they could do it themselves. They don't need mom and dad to make them better. They need they need God. They need uh, self-control. They need p- the power of the Holy Spirit. They need the power of, of a sound mind that makes wise decisions. And as they do these things, then, yeah. then, then the changes, sometimes they're instant, and then sometimes they're, they're slow, and then sometimes they're instant and then slow. <laughs> uh, it, it, and God uses a, a, so many forms and, and methods of, of doing things. And, uh, you know, it's just... Uh, just don't give up, man. Don't give up, and and then, um, man, the 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 toughest thing of all for me in situations like this is is like I still and I still don't fully understand is like how gracious God was to rescue our kids, and, and but then for those, you know, my heart goes out to those who lose children, uh, it's, and I, I can't. I wish I had the theology to to help you through that, other than just to know that God's with you, but but some some families have lost uh, fifty thousand. Uh, young adults have overdosed this year alone, uh, or the last 12 months, 50,000 overdoses in America, and so it, it's an epidemic. It's 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 uh, it's becoming higher and higher on the list of things that are killing people today. And so so man, some people have lost their loved one, and I, and I just want to say, you know, God's with you, and He's 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 not giving up on you, and it wasn't your fault. Don't don't you know don't get stuck in sh- a spiral of shame and. Uh, self-hatred just just realize that God's for you and with you and uh, we you know when the curtains pulled back and we see him face to face instead of through glass darkly we'll be able to understand what was behind the scene of this thing and again if it's uh, you know and then the Christian mentality of like well did they you know they're an addict they called on the name of Jesus but they were addicted were they saved or not you know I've had a lot of parents ask me that like did my son did my daughter go to heaven even though they overdosed um, you know, whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Yes. 
And so uh, I believe if they had a heart after God, and again, it's if we look at it in the disease model of this, they, they were they were struggling with this disease as well as uh, sin. But it's it, you know because they were diseased or because they were struggling with this particular item of sin, and it's more deadly. You know, so so you have a you have a son who's struggling with pride. Well, it's not going to probably kill him. Uh, and another another son who's struggling with a heroin addiction that could kill him, or alcohol could kill him. Uh, but in God's eyes, that it, it was like you know we never asked the questions like oh, my son who died who was full of pride is he going to go to heaven? You know, it's like you know, we just go. Oh, he was a little bit you know he had a little bit of haughtiness, but it's okay. Um, but no, it's you know God sees our heart. He sees beyond. Um, you know, sin is not struggle with sin is not the only measure that that makes heaven available to us. It's grace. It's forgiveness. It's the, it's the blood of Jesus Christ. And so, yeah, just just don't don't uh, you don't have to picture that that loss in, in a worse scenario because the enemy would love to induce more fear in uh, that. But uh, but for those of you that have family member or yourself struggling uh, man take take the action and take it today don't, you know don't because um, Satan is so subtle it's it's uh, just, just uh, get high one more time you know just when I was taking Evan we flew from here to California I was taking him to to um, uh, rehab and the, the flight attendant came up and said uh, is that your son and you know row 17 I said yeah he goes uh, we need to cut him off he's been drinking the whole mm. thing and it's just, you know again my heart is break, breaking and, uh, and and yet to see him then Take those steps. Just, you know, just, just don't, don't give up. Don't ever give up. It's, it's. Um, and now, I mean, I don't know if you're planning on asking him, Bob, but like what he's doing now. What Gavin, we doing yeah. now? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because I'm so proud of him. Oh yeah. Because it's, yes. it's not just. It's not. And the good news about the gospel is it's not just like, uh, oh, we're so scared. Our son's an addict. Okay, good. He's not an addict anymore. Well, he's still a lousy human being, and he's still hopeless, yeah. and he's still in despair, and he still doesn't know where he's going with his life. Yeah. Jesus does a whole lot more than get rid of the bad things in our life. He brings us into the glorious, and, and that's Evan's a testimony. And to that. brings you purpose. And so, yeah, Evan, please tell us what you, what you're doing here with the right, ministry now. Right. So, Second uh, Corinthians five seventeen is is something that I hold on to. Is uh, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, uh, he's a new creation. The old has passed. Behold, the new has come, and I see that it's it's evidential in in what Christ's transformative work has done in me. Um, I don't recognize the person that I used to be uh, in pictures and in, in memories. I don't even know who that that person was anymore, and I'm shocked by how he keeps making me more like him. Um, and giving me more of his heart for other people. And so right now, uh, I just started at World Challenge in January, where um, I'll be doing a, a ministry called Faith Answers, which helps bring uh, apologetics and sound doctrine to, to teenagers, to young adults who are uncertain about their faith or who are dealing with a lot of objections to the faith uh, within the culture. And it's just out of passions that, that Christ has given me and has uh, developed through becoming more like him and knowing him through relationship. And I, I say this a lot in AA meetings when I, when I go there or just, just to friends, is that um, when I got sober, it wasn't just, as my dad said, oh, I'm, I'm sober, that's the end of it, you know. Uh, this is as good as life, life gets. 
Um, instead, a, a whole world opened up of, of possibilities, of, of dreams, of ambition, of future, where uh, it just felt like endless life. Christ says, I've come to give abundant life. He says first that the enemy has come to kill, steal, and destroy. And I really see that as um, profoundly the mark of, of drugs and addiction mm-hmm. is, is just all it does is kill, steal, and destroy. But Christ has really come and, and given abundant life to those who, who are in him. And, and that's, that's what I've seen. It just is, is overwhelming, uh, bountiful life in this, in this process where uh, it's not just about being sober. It's not even about me anymore. He, he gives you a heart to help others who were in the same struggles that you were in and, um, and then do more than you could have possibly hoped for. Uh, you know, again, to me, it's 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 the it's the spiritual rags to riches story. It's it's the ashes to beauty mm-hmm. story of the gospel. It's it's not just ashes becoming you know back to a solid form. It's it's something beauty fu- yeah. beautiful is mm-hmm. is formed out of that redemption and, redemption yeah. story. You know? And all that uh, the enemy has thrown at Evan, what wonderful things must be ahead for you that he doesn't want you to do. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's going to be remarkable to see what, what God does with you down the years and through this ministry or elsewhere. So we're looking forward to seeing it. Yes, I'm looking forward to it. So, uh, uh, Gary, how about if we yep. pray for all of those uh, parents and, uh, and children out there who are struggling either with an addiction or with uh, a child of addiction. Mm. Yeah. Uh, pray for them that they might uh, uh, have the same kind of positive outcome that you've had as yeah. well. Yeah, you know, I'd just like to ask those who are listening on the whether it's, I guess, from your car, I don't want you to close your eyes, but if you're mm-hmm. listening at home, maybe just close your eyes and maybe put your hand on your on your heart. Just that's God, thank God we have to touch that area. And so, Father, pray right now in the name of Jesus as we place our hands on our heart that you would protect the heart of those who are struggling with somebody in their family that is, that is in this life-controlling problem. We pray that you would give them peace and that they would be able to, to uh, lift hands up and say, uh, we, we surrender this person to you, God. You have to be the one who is in charge of this life because it's too stressful, there's, there's too much tension, there's too much fear, too much anxiety. So we not only turn this person over to you, but with that we also give you all of our, uh, all of our stuff too that we're, we're dealing with through the midst of this, this chaos and this pain. And for those who are actually addicted themselves, who are struggling themselves, Lord, we pray that you would uh, do a miracle like you did in our children's life to break this bondage, snap it where it's gone now in the name of Jesus. And we pray that through this journey that they would go, Lord, that there'd be a healing journey, healing the broken heart. It's, it's, even as we tell Evan's story, Lord, some of his addiction might have come from that uh, a low self-esteem from hearing what his teacher said about him, but he overcame it through the word of his testimony, through the blood of the Lamb. And we thank you for that power. And so we pray now in Jesus' name, God, that you would break addictions and set them on a course uh, for recovery, that they recover from this. Give them programs, give them counselors, give them uh, groups, give them um, uh, meeting places, give them close friends, give them sponsors, give them pastors, give them uh, family members who who know how to, to help guide them through these situations. Help them to take the steps, God, not just on one hand we're waiting on a miracle, but on the other hand we're saying we, we have to be proactive as well. So give us the steps to take as well, we pray in, in Jesus' name. For those who are lukewarm, God, awaken hearts right now. Yes. Quicken them to be alive in the Spirit once again, that there be a fresh wind of the Spirit coming over anybody who, who just feels like they've drifted, if they've become a prodigal or if or if they have prodigal children. God, we thank you that you're the God who restores, redeems, rescues, and revives. We thank you for this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Amen.
You've been listening to the Gary Wilkerson Podcast. Discouragement and questions about God's goodness can quickly follow on the heels of a prodigal child leaving home. God is the father looking longingly down the road, waiting for us, waiting for our wandering child. He loves them as much and more than we ever could. He is always faithful, no matter how hopeless or painful our circumstances are. Sometimes a quick reminder of the core truths we believe can be the greatest encouragement, especially when we're struggling with a family member or child who has walked away from a life with God. If you're interested in quick daily encouragements, then you'll probably enjoy our 86 seconds videos. Each short video is a mini devotional from Gary Wilkerson. He points out simple but profound truths in scripture that can change the way we approach problems or successes. These quick reminders of how the Word informs every part of our lives are a vital part of living as salt and light to the world. Subscribe today at worldchallenge.org slash 86 seconds. The Gary Wilkerson Podcast is brought to you by World Challenge, sound design for this episode by Mike Hall Smith. This episode was written by Rachel Schmitz. Our producer is Chris Wigington with video production by Aaron Gale. Next week, tune into the Gary Wilkerson podcast. Until then, do all you can to live a better life and make a better world through Jesus Christ.